0: When it comes to Scott Satterfield, I hope you all are in the same boat as I am. Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel to get alerts every time that we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, May 2nd, meaning we are 123 days away from the Bearcats season opener against Eastern Kentucky Saturday, September 2nd at historic Nippert Stadium. And I'm at a UC Alumni event over the weekend. And whenever I'm at a UC Alumni event or an event where there are Bearcat fans prevalent, I always like to strike up conversations with those. And I like to say and ask, you know, what do you think about Scott Satterfield you know how do you feel? What's your your temperature like? Give me your give me your opinion, for lack of a better term or, or words. And most people I talk to say they don't know much about him. They don't know much about him. And that was particularly what one person said to me. What one what one person at this event I was at said to me. And that got me thinking, you know what, they're right. Because we haven't seen him coach a game. All we have right now to go off of Scott Satterfield is all we have is what he's done at Louisville. What he has said, and he's only had, I believe, three press conferences, if my memory serves me. No, four. Well, not... I should say way more than that if you count the end of practices. But the point is, he's only had a select few press conferences. There hasn't been a game. There hasn't been a fall camp. There hasn't even been the second transfer portal window concluded. All we have right now is what he has said through the first five months or so. On the job. And it has been a very good five months. Look at the transfers he has landed. Emery Jones, who is in line to be the starter. He is in line to be the starter. And you think about the offensive identity he's going to bring potentially to this team. I think that's one thing that I'm really excited for. And Mo Egger echoed this sentiment earlier this offseason on this show. The things that this Bearcats offense is going to be able to do far outweigh what last year's offense was able to do. Because you're going to see a lot more movement, a lot more motion, maybe some misdirection, maybe some quarterback runs. You're going to see more versatility. That is what I'm most excited for when it comes to this offense. What I'm also excited for, is the fact that, look, I don't know what's going to happen with this team. Again, if you're in the boat of, well, he didn't do that well at Louisville, so, yeah, I don't think this team is going to be very good this year. Okay, that's fair. You are fair to think that. I'm not going to tell you how to think. I am going to encourage you to be optimistic. I am going to encourage you To be like, hey, you know what? This man hasn't coached a game yet. How can I definitively form an opinion when he hasn't coached a game yet? The answer is you can't. The answer is you need to see him coach a game a whole season to form an opinion. And by the way, as I have said before, he is walking into a much better environment than Luke Fickle walked into. In 2017. You wanna know why I know that? Because the team after the team headed to 2017 and the athletic department and the football program were in not nearly as good of places as all three of them are now. There is tremendous support. There is tremendous a tremendous foundation in place. If there is one thing that I am really giving Scott Sauerfield a chance to succeed on. It's the foundation. I'm not saying he has to come in and be like Luke Fickle, but I will pose this question to you. You might think he'll never be Luke Fickle. What if he wins the Bearcats a national championship? Could happen. It could happen. But the point is this. We know about him as a person. Maybe even, maybe not even that. We know what he's done in Louisville and Appalachian state. But as far as what he's done as the Bearcats head coach, he hasn't coached a game yet. How can you definitively conclude your thoughts on Scott Satterfield? All you have is speculation. All I have is speculation. So I'm in the same boat as you. I hope you're in the same boat, though, that because we don't know, we need to determine – we need to determine – Based off of games. If the Bearcats, and let's say, let's say the Bearcats go into pit week two, September 9th. Let's say they go into pit and they win. You're going to say, okay, this guy just took the Bearcats into pit, a decent power five team, and won a rivalry game. Then, what if the Bearcats beat Oklahoma? What if the Bearcats beat Oklahoma in our 4-0 through the first four games of the season? Now, that's the first four games you're going to be riding to high. But then again, you win your first three games and you win your first Big 12 game, you should be riding to high if that's the case. Then you're going to say, great hire. Then you're going to say, this guy can coach you're probably going to really love what the offense is going to bring. Then let's say the Bearcats, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Big 12 championship this year. Don't expect them to. But what if they end up 9 and 3 and they just miss and they still play in a New Year's Six bowl? Then you're going to probably say this guy is this guy really is doing great things for the program. Now, if they come out and start 1 and 3 or 1 and 4 and you want to, you want to bash him. You want to tell me you want to bash about him to me. That's fine. I'm here for it. But as you know, with me, I am an optimistic person. Now I'm also realistic. I'm not going to tell you that the Bearcats are going to be 12 and 0. I am going to be optimistic and say this team. There's not one game on the schedule that they are going to definitively lose and lose badly. That's where I'm at with the Cincinnati Bearcats right now. Again, all we have right now is speculation. I need to see him coach again. I need to see a full season from him, honestly, before I can really have a definitive opinion on him. And me, being a huge Bengals fan that I am, like when Zach Taylor was hired, I was really optimistic. Offensive-minded, came from the Rams. The next big thing offensively was Sean McVay. I thought he could elevate Andy Dalton to a level that he had never been elevated to before. The first season was rough, but they never got blown out other than San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and the second Baltimore game. They never got blown out. And then Joe Burrow's rookie year, you saw some things that you could get behind. And look what's happened the last two years. They have gone 22, 22, and 9. There, no, that's not right. Uh, that's not. That's way not right, actually. In the last two regular seasons, they've won 22 games. And don't worry about how many they lost. At uh, 22 and 11. 22 and 11. Oh, and their record in the playoffs? A solid 5 and 2. So really... 27 and 13. It's pretty good. Again, give Satterfield time. You don't have to be in the boat of, well, he's not going to do well because I saw what he did at Louisville. We don't know much about him in general, maybe. We don't know much about him as an in-game coach just yet. I think the Bearcats are going to be all right this year. I like what they can do offensively. I like how the quarterback is going to play a big part of the offense. The running game is going to drive the Bearcats' offense potentially. And what Satterfield can do offensively, what we saw at Louisville, can help this Bearcats team get back to who they are as an identity that has won them so many games in the last five years. Running the football and being a developmental offense. The Bearcats' offense when Desmond Ritter was the quarterback wasn't great to begin with. It took years for them to get to where they were. The same can be true with Satterfield's offense. All right, coming up, I I am... Way late for this live read. I respond to your comments from Friday's show. Friday's show. We'll get into that after I explain to you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, there's no better place Bet all the playoff action in America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day on tomorrow's show. One of my favorite guests every week, Neil Meyer of the Front Office News, would join me to talk about the Bearcats were drafted over the weekend. What he thinks about Ivan Pace Jr. slipping from a projected fourth-round pick, at least by Dame Brugler, to going undrafted. Plus, his thoughts, and I'm going to get to this in segment three, on Simus Lukosius committing to the Bearcats, a transfer from Butler. All right. So, Friday was... Last Friday was the one-year anniversary of Sauce Gardner being the Bearcats' first first first-round selection in 51 years. 51 years. Now... You responded and you commented on our video, which I like. Feel free to comment on any video. Feel free to leave a comment in the audio, on the audio, wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be. But you had some things that you said about the 2022 draft class, and I'm going to touch on them right here. First comment. And I talked about how the impact that Sauce Gardner and all the Bearcats, nine of them who were drafted, the impact that that draft class had on the Bearcats program. The fact that they had the third most players of any program in the country get drafted. So here were the comments. We'll start with comment number one. And both comments were made by the same listener. So listeners comment number one says, Alex, you're mistaken. Since he is not as good at developing talent as any other college team, They probably don't stand up against 60% of D1 schools. Cincinnati was able to develop a few, all caps, kids into NFL caliber players. However, there has been staff turnover, and this is no longer a G5 schedule. It will be more challenging to transform two- and three-star players into NFL talent with this current coaching staff. All right, so a couple things mentioned there. Number one, um, 60% of D1 schools is a lot. If we do some simple math, and my University of Cincinnati math is, I like to think, pretty good. Actually, it is. See, this is how good I am at math. So there are 130 Division I teams in college football. And he said, this listener said 60% of D1 schools. The Bearcats Bearcats can't stand with 60% of them. That means 78 teams, 78 programs. So you're saying there are 78 programs in Division I better than the Bearcats developing talent. I don't necessarily agree with that. 78 programs. That's a lot. 78 programs. Really? I'm deeming that overreaction. As far as a few kids, look at the players they've sent to the NFL in the last five years. Go back to 2020 when you saw the likes of Elijah Ponder, when you saw the likes of Brian Wright or Perry Young, or when you saw Josiah DeGuara, when you saw James Wiggins in 21, or you saw, and then look at this past year, Tucker, Wiley, Scott, or Alec Pierce, or Desmond Ritter. It's not just one position. It's a whole bunch of positions. So don't tell me that it's just a few kids. Because there are a lot. And it goes back years before, even last year. When we look at Cincinnati Bearcats, and by the way, you want to tell me that there are only a few Bearcats in the draft. Excuse me, but remember how I said to you at one point that Andy Reid has taken more Cincinnati Bearcats in the draft than any school in the country? And this is Andy Reid, the best head coach in the NFL right now. That's pretty dang impressive. Now, we can go to 2,000 whatever. So, 22, they send nine. 2021, they send James Hudson, Derek Forrest, James Wiggins, Jared Dokes. 2020, they send Josiah DeGuara. 2019, they send Cortez Broughton. And, and these are current players. 2018, Corey Cunningham. Uh, 2016, there are still two players currently in the NFL. 2013, Travis Kelsey. And 2012 still has four, uh, five players. There's five, no, four. Derek Wolf, Isaiah P., John Hughes, Adrian Robinson. 2009, Connor Barwin. I don't know if these are still players that are still in the NFL, but 2009, and, th- and these may not be all of them, but you have 2009, you've got. Connor Barwin, Kevin Huber, D'Angelo Smith, Brandon Underwood, Mike Mickens, Trevor Canfield. I mean, these are—this is not just—it's not just 2023. It's 2000-whatever. In the last five years, look at how many players the Bearcats send to the NFL. It's enormous. So, that's what I have to say to only a few players. Will it be harder to develop talent at the Big Twelve level? This is actually a really interesting question. I think I don't think it will be, because you're going to be able to still recruit at a high level, and you're going to be able to sell your program more because you're you're in the Power Five. It's going to be easier to sell your program. The games might be harder, but the games don't necessarily dictate how talented of a team you are. And if that was the case, why did LSU have the second most players drafted in 2022? They weren't even that good in 2021. They went six and seven. So the point is, the Bearcats send way more than a few players to the NFL, and it's still going to be a fertile ground to develop players. That is where I am at. Now, second comment. The second comment from this listener, from the same listener, says the 2021 Cincy team did not impress a single college football fan who cheered for a Power 5 program. since he had a powder puff schedule with the super senior roster. Since he will not see another 9-win season in the Big 12 for a long, long time. Okay. Okay. Now, when I read that, obviously, I was very defiant towards it. Very much in disagreement. But let's break it down. If you weren't impressed by the 2021 team, then I don't think you can appreciate what that team accomplished. And I look at it this way, and I remember thinking this way after they beat Notre Dame. The amount of pressure that team faced, and really before Notre Dame, too, that team faced every week was enormous. And they never broke. Plus, they beat Indiana. You can say what you want about that Indiana team. They weren't very good. They beat Notre Dame, and then an 11 win Houston team in the championship game. It was not a powder puff schedule. They went to Notre Dame and won by 11. They played a very good Houston team in the championship game. They only led by one point at halftime. Experience, and by the way, experience, you can say they had a super senior roster. Well, okay, experience is how you get to the playoff at the G5 level. They had a fourth-year quarterback, a fourth-year wide receiver. They had two experienced tight ends. They had a third-year corner, a Kobe Bryant back for, I believe, his fifth or sixth season. I can't remember exactly. They had Darian Beavers. They had Brian Cook. They had a whole... Bunch of experienced backs. Jerome Ford had been playing college football for three years by then. So, yeah, they were experienced. And, and yes, I don't know when they're going to win nine games again. Maybe this year. Maybe in 2023. But I think it'll be sooner rather than later. That team had more pressure than any team in the history of college football, you could argue, in terms of wanting to get somewhere and what they had to do to get there. And what also had to happen around them that they couldn't even control to get there, and they still did. I'll end segment two on that. Coming up, my thoughts on Simus Lukosius. All right, so the best part about Simus Lukosius is he's got two years of eligibility left. And I say that because you think about what he's going to bring to the Cincinnati Bearcats. He's going to bring versatility. He's 6'7", 225 pounds. So he's going to bring versatility, which you need if you're the Cincinnati Bearcats. Like the Bearcats in the last two years, I feel like you knew what players were good at, but they were only good at what they were good at. They needed to be more versatile. David DeJulius was good at creating his own shots. Well, he was terrible from three-point shooting, especially towards the end of the season. You need to have guys who are good at everything, especially if you want to compete in the Big 12. Now, what's really great about is you go from the Big East to the Big 12. And just look at the caliber of players Wes Miller is landing. I mean, Simus Lukosius, the last two seasons at Butler, had two really good seasons. He improved each season. In two seasons with the Butler Bulldogs, Simus Lukosius had 11.6 points and last year, 6.8 the year before that. So his scoring went up by almost five points a game. His rebounding went up by almost one rebound a game. His field goal percentage went up by almost 5 percentage points. His three-point field goal percentage went up by almost 10 percentage points. And he still shot 80% for the line last year despite being down over 9 percentage points. He averaged nearly three assists per game last year after just one the year prior. This guy is exactly what you need if you are the Cincinnati Bearcats. Last game of Butler was last year in the uh, quarterfinals of the big, was the, no, the first round of the Big East tournament against St. John's. He had 23 points in 38 minutes of play against uh, St. John's in the Big East first round tournament. So clearly you are getting a very good player. And you go from the Big East, which you could argue is the second best conference in college basketball. I mean, heck, it produced the national champion. The second best conference in college basketball. Now you're bringing in a guy who was a, a very prominent player on that team. Part of it is now that the Bearcats in the Big 12, that you're able to land this caliber of a player, as we also saw with C.J. Frederick. I also think part of it is Wes Miller. And I'm sure when I have Russ on later this week, he's going to join me on Friday, he's going to tell you exactly that. Again, Wes Miller is building this program the right way. This is a guy in Lukosius, as I said, who improved every season at Butler. You're making the jump from the Big East to the Big 12. That's huge. But again, it's like going from the second best conference to the best conference in college basketball. The Big East is a grinder. The fact that they play each other twice a year. And those games are war. I mean, those games are absolute war. That's how the Big 12 will be. Versatility is going to matter. Simon Slocosius can help with that. I want to end with a happy birthday. A happy birthday today goes out to former Bearcats wide receiver, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce. And Alec Pierce was a guy who I remember he got better and better each year. Of his college career. He had no catches in four games his first season. The coaching staff was even considering moving him to linebacker. They didn't, thank goodness. Then 2019, Sean McMahon will tell you this, as he told as he tells me all the time. On our one of our shows I did with BearCast Media, he was a part of it. In fact, he started the show uh, with me. Sean said Alec Pierce is going to be the breakout player on this team. And... He was. He had a 52-yard catch against UCLA and scored his first touchdown against Marshall in the fourth game of the season, scored another one against UCF, tallying 652 yards on the season. He missed uh, missed a few games in 2020 with an injury, still had three touchdowns, though, including an acrobatic leaping 43-yard catch against Memphis in a 49-10 win. But then his senior season, 52 catches, 884 yards, Eight touchdowns, including one in the American Championship game against Houston. He rode that to a second-round selection, 53rd overall by the Indianapolis Colts in 2022. I really can't wait to see what the Colts and what Alec Pierce can do with the Indianapolis Colts this year with a new quarterback and Anthony Richardson, uh, if he's going to start. They're going to have a new head coach and Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator from Philly prior to this this job that he has now, and new offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter. Really, really love that hire for the Colts. So exciting stuff for Alec Pierce, a guy who got better and better and better each of his four seasons. And he had a lot of big plays. And you can think about all his big plays. The biggest play of his career that I remember the most, came in the 2020 AAC championship game. And it happened on the Bearcats' game-winning drive. Now, at that point, the Bearcats had not won a conference championship, despite all their aspirations beyond winning just a conference championship. But in 2020, Alec Pierce, in 2020, Alec, as I pull this game up, in that championship game, the Cincinnati Bearcats, and this was a great game. I called that game with Zach Free. Sean McMahon was also part of our broadcast crew that night. But in that game, there was a play on the Bearcats' game-winning drive. I'll never forget. I'm going to pull up the play in the box score. So this was in the fourth quarter. This is in the fourth quarter. The Bearcats faced a – oh, where's the play? It was a third down about – the drive started with 334 – so maybe I should probably consult College Football Reference for this. But anyway, it was a twenty-yard, or I'm sorry, twenty, yeah, twenty-yard completion to the forty-seven-yard line on third down. Ritter threw it to where only Alec Pierce could get it. He caught it one-handed, pinned it to his chest, and then the Bearcats ultimately drove all the way to the Tulsa. All the way to the Tulsa 17 yard line, 35 or 34 yard field goal from Cole Smith. Says 34, I think it was 35. 35 yard field goal by Cole Smith. Bearcats win it on a last second field goal to beat Tulsa, win their first championship game. Now, how much time was left in that game? It was it was very late. I, I remember I, if I can somehow find my call from that game. I still have a tape of that somewhere, but it was a – and it was a a fun night. Mike – Governor Mike DeWine allowed – Ohio Governor Mike DeWine allowed a bigger crowd. I think it was like about five ten thousand 10,000 fans, something like that. If I have the play-by-play, I don't know if I have access to it. Well, that's okay. Um – I don't remember how much time was left, but what I do remember is, well, maybe I can, I still want to know now. But anyway, uh, that's the biggest play I remember, is that catch to help set up the game-winning field goal by Alec Pierce. I wish I had the, I wish I had the, I guess I'm not going to have it. How about that? Uh, Anyway. Just a such an impressive play and an impressive Bearcat and an impressive guy and career for Alec Pierce. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Neil Meyer of the Front Office News will join me to discuss the Bearcats who were drafted this past weekend, including how Ivan Pace slipped all the way from projected fourth-round pick to undrafted. It's unbelievable to think about. Then, Thursday, Zach Fries and Sean McMahon join me for our weekly conversation. Plus, with Neil, I'm also going to talk about, I also want to talk to him about, Scott Centerfield in that same boat I talked about her on today's show. And Simus we will talk about all those concepts, topics with Zach and Sean. And then Friday, Russ Heldman joins me for his thoughts on the Bearcats in the NFL draft. I, I'm going to work to get uh, Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings on this show. You also hear him on Locked On NFL on Tuesdays because Ivan Pace signed by the Minnesota Vikings. The Bengals do play in the show. I was thinking about that yesterday. The Bengals play the Vikings this year. So really looking forward to that. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. As I mentioned, Neil Meyer of the Front Office News joins me tomorrow. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty. Instagram, Alex Frank and underscore email, alex3Frank at gmail.com. I'm back tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. Have a fantastic day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats.